I'm Jeff Steyer, and with me today is Julie Keel. Hello, everyone. And Mike McPeak. Hi. So the episode we'll be covering is the 2016 movie Infini. And I said that correctly. It's I-N-F-I-N-I, which isn't even a friggin' word. <laughs> so the synopsis is an elite search and rescue team transports onto an off-world mining facility to rescue Whit Carmichael the lone survival of a biological outbreak. And that's the synopsis from IMDb. And in case you're not up on human interaction, the sarcasm in my voice indicates that I didn't like this movie <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, it kind of seemed to stretch on in into infinity. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was yeah. pretty lame. I mean, even... 15 or 20 minutes in, you're like, yawn. Um, you know where this well, is headed. You, it's pulling off st- um, la- uh, storylines that are just way too familiar and way too overdone, so you need to do them differently, and there was very little different about this one. Yeah, this... I really, I, oh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, I was going to say, I, I watched this when I was a little bit drowsy, and believe me, this is not conducive to anybody who's uh, <laughs> even you know semi-drowsy. It just it adds to it. So I, I str- uh, struggle to stay awake through it, but yeah, you know. I struggled to stay awake through it, and I was, you know, I was fine when I started. Yeah. yeah. I, I read some of the trivia stuff, background about it, and it this is an Australian film, and it looks like the... the uh, you know, one of their first ticket the cans for sci-fi or something like so. I don't know. Maybe I'd like to give them some credit about like okay, we're we're tr- dipping our toe into a different genre or something. But oh my god, well, this is painful. If you want to talk about things, we can give them credit for. To be honest, the graphics and the you know the special effects and things, there I got nothing to complain about. There, they had some no. neat stuff. They had these little wrist. Um, phone projector things and stuff and then they had these things implanted in the back of their neck that you could dial in you know basically that's your uh, uh, slip streaming is the big technology kind of only the only technology really that (laughs) that it really talked about much which is essentially in my estimation it was transporting over long distances i mean it's it was matter to energy to matter travel um okay but uh, let's let's so you know the one tech that we have to talk about is might as well start right okay how does that even work okay just assuming that you're transmitting you're you're essentially disassembling uh, a person and transmitting them and their the clothing and their hardware that they're carrying to some other location first off you have to assume that you have to have some sort of receiving thing at the other end so you have to have already been there and and secondly like you're still restricted by any physics we know, by the speed of light. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That uh, and there was a comment in the movie when they were trying to do a, a subspace communication, or, or a community, they were sent, trying to send a message back to what we will assume <laughs> is Earth, and it, and it was they were told that that would take centuries. So, yes. Yeah. Slipstreaming is very much beyond the speed of light. Well, it, and if the guy wanted to send a message back to his wife and his kids, like, oh, you know, that's so, you know, well, why don't you slipstream the message? You know, right. you're sending it as data, anyways. Why not send your messages data? Like, yeah. 
stuff like that drives me nuts. Like when they they create a set of rules and then they either don't follow them or or it just you know they it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's like, not consistent yeah. within the universe. Yeah. it applies to only this one thing. And, and yeah, the other I, thing I have, that drove me nuts about slipstreaming technology is the fact that you had your control pad on the back of your neck where you could not access yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody um, else has to do this for you. It's like, what? Let's, no. Let's put it in the most awkward place possible and that you have to have somebody else with you to do it. Like, yeah. Yeah, this we always say about some of these movies don't poke the science. Well, I think in this case, just kind of ignore the science because I didn't, you know, figure this out on my own. I had to read the trivia, but actually, you know, they were talking about time dilation. They actually yes. had it backwards because it should have been slower on Farther on out. Earth. Yeah. Anyway, the, the one the minute and a half or whatever that they were gone, that should have happened on the the station, not on Earth. They had it backwards because of. Uh, Einstein's relativity theory, which just gives me a headache when I think about it. But yeah, I'll take their word for it. That yeah, basically I had the science backwards there. Uh, and the slipstream technology was basically uh, the Star Trek transporter that they kind of uh, you know jazzed up a little bit and waved their hands and said, you know, don't look too close here, just you know, deal with it. And that part, okay, yeah, it's kind of stupid. I could deal with it. But then they start getting into this other stuff, and it's like, okay, um, it's. It, it just didn't really tie the story together very well. I will, and I will be the yeah. first one to to say that I don't like sci-fi horror stuff. I mean, you know, space is scary. What was very interesting is that immediately after we watched this movie, you know, you, we flipped back from Netflix to network television, and The Martian was on, and I'm like, oh god, a palate <laughs> cleanser, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so the the. Space is scary enough. I mean, it's it's uh, well. Mark Watney described it as cruel, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't do it's it's tough. It's unyielding, and you don't need to introduce, you know, alien primordial goo with evil intent to you know make space difficult. Um, so, you know, I I kind of come into movies like this with a bias, you know, going I don't need to find boogeymen out there. I just surviving's tough enough. Um, but, like I said, too, 20 minutes in, you recognize this as a boogeyman movie, and it was like the, uh, you know, a bad version of all of the boogeyman movies, like Alien and uh, The Thing. Um, that was the first thing I yeah. uh, came to my mind was Event Horizon is another one. Yeah, there's one, yep. And it was like, ah, oh. again, it's a, it's a, it's such a well-worn storyline that you're really going to have to bring something to the table to make it worthwhile. And this one didn't. It was just, yeah, okay, there's boogeymen in space and they kill everybody and and yeah, it's bad. Okay. And now what? <laughs> and everyone dies! But not yeah. really. <laughs> well, actually, if you read the Wikipedia plot, oh, that yeah. actually sounds a little bit better than the actual movie did not much but a little bit at least there it sounds it's a little bit more cohesive i think they, it was just a not great storytelling and they played fast too fast and loose with the science i mean we can allow them a little bit but i think there's just this was too much yeah and, and, the, and the flip side of that is i don't mind if you play flat fast and loose with the science and, the, and that kind of stuff if you've got a story to tell and right. there was no story here none 
There was yeah. uh, the characters yeah. are there, there was near, not nearly enough backstory at the beginning to for, to have me give a damn about any of the characters, whether it was the rescue team or Whit Carmichael or the people back on Earth or the people on the mining station originally. I just you didn't. There was just nothing. I mean, there was there was like. Here's this. Here's these people. They all died, and then we're going to send a search and rescue team, and they're all going to die too. And then, okay, everybody's done, and we're. Yeah, and what and, was the whole thing with them losing the whole West Coast? That like, was the yeah. Apparently, whatever yeah. they brought back killed off the one facility. Apparently, they have well, one facility, which is the West Coast facility. Well, and apparently they have some sort of uh, suicide. Um, um, containment uh system there that if things go completely sideways you just kill them all right um and burn which it to the ground sound... because always fire <laughs> basically yes basically and okay spoiler alerts here it's not that they all died in the end they executed the variation of it was all a dream except in this case um the guy uses word jiu-jitsu, borrowing from star trek again uh to go in there and he puts this loop of explaining to the aliens where they went wrong played it over and over again the aliens went oh our bad we'll bring everyone back to life and you go home again yeah. and i kind of went oh crap really that ending was bad lame non-identical bad. bad yeah that too i was i never really was quite sure what happened i mean sure you saw the primordial goo humanoids at the end waving goodbye um but <laughs> But yeah. you were, I was never convinced that uh, Carmichael was clean. I mean, right. there was always that whole, I'm going to come back and infect the entire planet thread going on. So, yeah, the, the, the ending was, I mean, I, I like endings that you have to think about. I don't like endings that are so unclear you don't know what the hell happened. Right. Well, and then the interrogation, too, apparently, well, I think they did scans, too, but they were asking them a lot of questions, see if they could trip them up somehow. And then apparently if you answer all the right questions, well, you're clean. Yeah. Um, okay, and that drove me crazy. Okay, like, we're going to get these people back, and they, they might be going psychotic, so we have to see if they're going psycho, so we'll put them all in the same room, and we'll have every, multiple people asking multiple other people questions at the same time, and everybody's shouting, and we'll see who gets agitated. Who wouldn't be agitated? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I think Gandhi I would lose his crap in there. I know. Oh, yeah. That was, that was not... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, like, you you got to figure, okay, as, as science progresses, more and more, like, we're not asking people how you feel. We're like, okay, we're going to take your temperature, we're going to take a bunch of data points. But yet, somehow in the future, rather than strap the person to a machine and take a look and see what's going on with their brave wa- brain waves or something, we'll just stand there and stare at them and ask them a bunch of questions, and that how that's how we'll determine if they've got brain damage. Like, it's that it just none of that made any sense. No, and they did scan them. They held up a handheld scanner, you know, it looked yeah. like a barcode reader, and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, that too. It's like if you were if you actually had the capacity or the the technology to scan people like that, you would put them in well, uh, confinement, like tube or contain yeah. you know something like like the scanners at the freaking airport. 
and and <laughs> scan them, you know. Um, and maybe, and, and even, I suppose, there is something about looking people in the eye, which might be why you m- might do it face-to-face, because you can read people you know, are hardwired to read other people's faces. But you could also do that um, remotely. There is an argument there that it's not as effective, that you really do would have to be face-to-face with somebody to to push them to that point. So I, I wasn't... That part didn't really bother me that much except that again these people are in like hazmat suits and you can't see their face the people asking you've got a level of technology where you're beaming people across the galaxy right but yet you're reduced to diagnosing them by asking them a series of annoying questions in a crowded room right like that was just yeah that was yeah well then how does it how does this discussion go? Uh, we're going to send you in there with a bunch of people that could be uh, uh, enraged berserkers, and we want you to ask them a bunch of questions and see if you can torque them off. Right. Uh, Who um... takes that job? There, there was a barrier. There was a force field that they had to put their hands up on. You know, so there, there, there was some sort of you know barrier between them. But still, yeah. no. No, no, no. I, I'm, because, yeah, there was a barrier but you were on the inside of the barrier. If those people actually went berserk, you were trapped within that center of the room. You know, oh, that's a great place to be trapped. Yeah. Well, it makes sense in that it's essentially a horror movie, and filming it like that, it feels very claustrophobic. There's a high level of tension because you have multiple people talking at the same time. So it makes sense within it being a horror movie, but it doesn't make any sense at all all within the you know the, the framework of the rules that they've laid out for the way this world works and the way this slipstreaming works like it just you know doesn't make any sense at all yeah it's like the horror film where the person's investigating the house and all of a sudden a cat just flies through the air and oh that's scary well you know why was the cat there like <laughs> the cat would have heard you coming and just taken off, you know, but it's a lot scarier and ramps up the tension if the cat just flies through the air at the person, right? right. For no reason. Yeah, I think the best thing to do with this movie is concentrate more on the horror part and less on the sci-fi part. And then, may, I guess it's tolerable from that standpoint. But, you know, like I say, we, we do the sci-fi and we look at this and we're going, oh, come on, really? Uh, I think that's what's driving us nuts. Yeah, yeah. and just... Well, yeah. and not to mention, like, the facility that they go to, what is it doing? It's this place that they've built in the middle of nowhere. And, like, okay, there are things that we build that eventually get abandoned. But, like, okay, they had found this mining resource of one of the most volatile things that they've ever found. And then they say, oh, yeah, we can't do that. Well, you know, we abandoned it. No, you don't do that. Like, if you found a, you know, a mine that yielded dynamite, <laughs> you're going to figure a way to get it out of there because it's valuable, right? Right. Yeah. Well, there was another piece of tech in there that I saw, and sitting here, I'm trying to figure out how do you build it. But I thought it was that's, rather interesting okay. that wind turbines. Well, that was my one question when we got to look out the right. window is how in the hell did that place get built? 
Right. You know, interest, you know, if you skip that part and go to, hey, this is an interesting way to power a facility by using the the horrendous winds that blow through there. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. But like I say, how do they build it? Unless, well, you assume, uh, which you have to do a lot in this movie, that it that wind is always blowing there. So they wouldn't have, you know, taken the time to do this. But, you know, it does the paradoxical question. Yeah. Awesome way to power it. How, how do you build it in the first place? Well, and also yeah. living in a part of the country where um, wind blows and we have wind turbines, um, there comes a time when the wind blows too hard and you actually have to turn the turbines off. You have to mm-hmm. lock them down. And when they looked out the window, the first, that was my first thought is, no, no, the wind's too hard. They're, no, they need to yep. be locked. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure, sure, they... Uh, they um, have to uh, adapt, or they may have been built for that those conditions. But I'm like, yeah, just no, no, that's no. Well, <laughs> I wasn't. That one bit didn't bug me as much because, like, well, yeah, it's windy and you can see stuff being whipped around. They don't tell you how thick the atmosphere is. That's true. Because if it was on Mars, uh, with the atmosphere as thin as it would be, the winds can be like, you know, very, very, very high. But they're not going to carry the the kinetic force that wind on earth would be just because the atmosphere is so much thinner so and they they never gave you any indication of what it was so that one i was i was willing to just you know go with it or whatever but like certainly the storms that they were showing and you, you don't know anything about like local weather that could have been just like an exceptionally bad storm or whatever right yeah and you don't know anything really about the atmosphere either, other than yeah. it's cold and it's space, so yeah. it's not friendly. But again, like I don't think you're going to build a facility, you know, like that, and make that huge investment, and then just kind of like, okay, we're not going to go here anymore. Like, and where, and all the people that had been there, where did they go? Like it was obviously a big place. Yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, uh huh. And there was there, okay. Speaking of the people that had been there when they first arrived, there was um, corpses, I suppose, um, laying all over the place because you know, these people had, at the very least, froze to death. You know other things but they did come across one corpse that literally had you know like spikes coming out of his spine remember that right where the hell did that come from that's not part of this no well it wasn't (laughs) well and at the end or towards the end there wasn't the married couple they looked like they were transforming into reptiles maybe uh, something sort of mildly reptilian-looking. Uh, their fe- features seemed to be getting sharper, and the skin seemed to be, you know, sinking in a little bit. And well, they just look um, like zombies to me. Yeah. Well, no, there's that married couple. There. Like I say, I almost uh, thought I saw scales. Uh, the oh yeah. Of scales. Yeah. Yeah. That one gal turned around, you know, revealed her shoulder to the mirror, and there was definitely something happening there that looked like scales. Yeah. I guess the thing we've been tap dancing around here wasn't, I, I don't think we've talked about it quite yet, was the primordial goo or whatever it was on that plant. Now, was that supposed to be some sort of energy source that. Uh, Nobody knows what the hell it was. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, did you see the movie? It doesn't say. Um, no, it doesn't. 
Well, I read here somewhere that I thought they said that it had uh, it, it burned, it had high energy content or something. That was their excuse for going there. That's why they their excuse for building the big facility. And it, I guess at some point, right. their activity woke it up. Apparently, they didn't wake up when they got there. They had to start doing stuff, I guess, to wake it up. Because otherwise, if they would have started. When they got there, they wouldn't have been able to build this big complex. I know I'm applying too much thought to this movie, but you had to do something while you were watching. Well, and the and the spoiler, the this thing that they encounter out there is a planet-sized, what at least what I was led to believe by watching the movie, a planet-sized single-cell organism that was hell bent on being, you know, the one and only. There can be only one. Um, so it would, what would, it, what it would do for all of the humans that would be working at the facility, they, you know, it, they would get infected with something somewhere along the way, and then they would start killing each other off to find out who was going to be the dominant one. Um, so, yeah, interest that to me, that's the one saving grace of this movie, and it's not enough to make up for the rest of the movie. That concept is a little interesting. I mean, it's a, it's something to think about you know, for 12 minutes, and that's about it. Um, well, I th- I think if they would have taken it, fleshed it out a little bit, and and played with it a little bit, yeah, that could have been more interesting. But it's just kind of like, yeah, let's. It's an excuse to make them crazy and kill each other. Right. Again, we're back to the horror part, but yeah. still. Yeah, that that concept of you know some sort of primordial goo that becomes, you know, uh, they they refer to it as like a cancer, um, you know, so because it eats up everything else and just absorbs it into this one single cell um and you know that's an you know to boldly go where no one's gone before and find new life and new civilizations there you go um but this um the way that the movie treated that first off you got not nearly enough information about what the hell that was and secondly of course it was evil you know yeah of course, of course. <laughs> But this is a trope that we see in a lot of this stuff where, you know, they come across the obviously highly evolved alien, yet that uh, it has to learn from humans some important lesson, you know? So, like, his whole speech about, like, oh, you took all of the negative emotions, but you didn't see any of the good. And and somehow at the end when you see the... the, uh, jelly people or whatever they are and it's got the picture of his his uh his wife in his hand oh they finally learned compassion and all that like you know okay whatever yeah no (laughs) that speech is not strong enough to teach them anything that's essentially the uh et or there's a whole you know a lot of these things that like these you know these aliens are capable of so much but yet they have to learn you know, human emotion or what, you know, whatever, how to love or whatever it is. Right. Well, you kind of describe uh, a fair majority of uh, Star Trek, the original series. Uh, they did that uh, a fair amount there that, yeah, this advanced species, but, you know, we must teach them compassion or we must rescue them, one of the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and like I say, they, they, I think they borrowed bits and pieces from Star Trek, either intentionally or not. Uh, and I it kind of ended yeah, up near. I agree. I think when you look at it, you can see bits and pieces of so many other movies. Like you mentioned, oh, yeah. Aliens and yep. Event Horizon. Like a lot of those movies, like especially the ones where, uh, you know, like the whole idea where they're trapped on a space station, like Pitch Black. 
You know, there, yep. there, there's threatening monsters all around you, and you need to, you know, accomplish some mission or get from one place to another. Like, yeah, there's this, this movie was heavily, uh, I guess, a generous way to say, it, heavily influenced by a lot of these uh, other movies. Yeah. To avoid saying, you know, well, copying uh, them. <laughs> Yeah, well, according to trivia here, it says uh, it's supposed to be visually reminiscent of the 79 to 82 uh, genre cinema movies like The Thing, Apocalypse Now, Wrath of Khan, Empire Strikes Back, Alien, and The Shining. And, yeah, you can kind of see bits and pieces of, you know, those yeah. movies in there. I see no Wrath of Khan in it, but I do see The no. Shining, um, right. Alien, and what was the other one? Apocalypse the thing, Now? The Thing. The Thing, The Thing, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, they didn't have any. Well, they sort of had goose snakes in there, so maybe apocalypse now. I don't. Yeah. Know, but, uh, well, apocalypse now. I think what they're getting at there is that whole uh, journey into madness, right? Sort of thing. Like, it, not the way it looks or anything, but kind of in the feel of the whole sure. story, right? Yeah, I don't know. Is this one of those movies that? Maybe either through editing or better direction. It, I suppose it could be saved, yeah. but I better writing. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Honestly, the actors did fabulous. I mean, yeah. and again, no. visually, a directing not a problem. It's just a shit story. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah consider- I agree with that. Yeah. And considering this thing only had a budget of eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. Which sounds you know, like for, a lot, but not much for movies these days. Yeah, on movie standards, considering, like I say, I, I don't think we were disappointed with the special effects, such as they were. Uh, and that usually chews up a fair amount of your budget. So I think, you know, if we judge it on the budget and what you got for that money, discounting the storyline, of course, it was a okay movie. I mean, we've seen some really bad movies with right. some really bad uh, special effects. So I think there they scored a few points. But You know uh, what, like, as, as far as the sets and everything, I bet you'd be really surprised at how how few sets they had. Because they probably had two or three different ver- different hallway sets. Because it's essentially, most of it is in the tunnels, the med bay, and uh, that but- you know, departure room. and receiving room, the control room. Yeah, oh, and, the, and the control room on the on the station. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. There's a couple I, more. There's I, a couple I, back on Earth too. But yeah, you're right. It was only a, less than a dozen sets. Yeah, like and, well, and, and it was and it was filmed. Ones, it was just shot from weird angles and just kind of like reusing the same same space over and over again. Well, just and, decorated differently. And talking about sets, it was filmed in an industrial complex again so the set was pre-made for him all you'd have to do is go walk down a different aisle in the right. facility and you'd have a different angle to, to film so it's not like they were building this stuff yeah like it, it's it's funny like you you do see that in science fiction a lot like the uh uh on the star trek reboot they filmed part of that in a budweiser factory i remember that they had the big tanks and everything like most people don't get into real industrial sites, so it they do look really weird, right? And there's lots of places like the the power plant that I work on work at. There's lots of places where, like, they're just narrow corridors with uh, trays of cables that just go on as far as you can see, and then they just kind of vanish 
to uh, in the distance. Like they're just they're just all kind of these weird looking places that you would never see any other place that would be kind of ideal for making movies. And I think the reason they they tend to do that is because the assumption is and in in space and look at the things that we've built you know, through NASA and whatever, um, is that everything, there's, everything has to have a purpose. You don't put any fluff in. You don't, you don't put in a, a water fountain just because, it, you know, it, for the ambiance. I mean, you put in a water fountain because it recycles the water and, you know, provides moisture for plants and breathing or whatever. I mean, everything has to have a purpose because you don't have fluff. Yeah, in space, so I think that's that's the same thing too in industrial facilities. They're not you don't hire an interior decorator to do up a, you know a Budweiser plant. You you just this is what it's built to do. Do that efficiently. Do it so it can be maintained easily, um, cleaned if if needed, and that's what you get. Right. So, so there is a I, I do think that's actually a fair analogy to space building. I mean, because it really is going to be that level of of engineering, I guess. But they didn't have the beer still. Oh, speaking of which, <laughs> the one thing that bugged the hell out of me, it was the only time in the movie where I uh, just went, oh, for God's sakes. Um, they were running around, it was just towards the beginning of the movie, and there was these little steam jets going off every time they'd go by. And it was like, okay, either you have steam jets going off because they need to release pre- pressure in something, or you don't. Don't I mean yeah. it was just so fake that they would just fire them off when somebody would walk by. Um, yeah, that was the one place where the production quality slipped enough for me to notice and get irritated. Yeah, the tech. Yeah, the technology. You didn't have any reason for it. It was it was very pointless. <laughs> yeah, it was truly for effect only. It was you know more of that spooky space stuff because. Somebody said that's what space should look like. The the you know the the technology of the space station, we did we did we did run across. Okay, we mentioned slipstreaming. We talked about the windmills powering up the facility there. Um, we talked about um, this primordial goo that was the planet itself and the cause of the troubles and all the things. Um, they did have some sort of. I'm going to call it blaster because it wasn't like anything I've, I'm familiar with. Um, so that their weapons were, whatever. and the setup to the story too. I did. Did you catch that dystopia? Um, they were they were t- the five or six sentences that set it up at the beginning talked about in the I believe it was the 23rd century. 95% of the world lives in poverty. That's why they volunteer to go out to these mining facilities, you know, to make their lives better. I'm like, there's your first clue that this is going to be a, you know, not my type of sci-fi. <laughs> well, there's dystopian, but then there's like horribly right, you know, dystopian. Yeah. Kind of right up there um, with Soylent Green, you know? Like, yeah, everybody's poor. Let's just kill everybody then. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, honestly, I don't have much more to say about this movie because it was that lame. It, it really the 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 technology again the the filmmaking itself 
have very little to complain about. The actors did well. No. The directing was good. The the camera work was fine. The special effects were were great. The you know makeup and all of that, costumes, all good. Just a crap story um, that just could not hold my attention. Yeah, I think if they would have got maybe a couple hundred thousand more, spend a little time going over the script. Um, yeah, it might have helped. Because like I say, that's the only thing that kept this, you know, on our newly adjusted scale from Europa Report to um, Children of God. Uh, and for God's sakes, don't watch that movie. Yeah, find hard out to be God. Called. Hard to be a God. Hard, hard to be God. Yeah, yeah there we go. Was... Uh, yeah, no, please don't watch it. But uh, on our newly adjusted scale, you know, I would put it in the middle, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't, not great, doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, the film... The production values save it because if it wasn't for that, it would be lower. Oh yeah! Um, if this had been yeah. shot poorly, wow, mm-hmm. this might have been one that we would not have gone to record on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or we would have ripped it up more than what we have because we've been sort of gentle on it. Because there's been, been a few movies that we've really just you know got out the, the swords and really hacked at the pieces. This one we're being reasonably gentle with when it comes to movies that aren't really great. Um, so I think and I think it's production value acting and some of that stuff and special effects that save it. The, the thing about this movie, yeah, if they would have tweaked the storyline and had it made a little bit more sense, a little more cohesive, and quit breaking so many of their own stupid rules, um, you know, I, I think we, it could have been bumped a little bit higher yet. Yeah, it, it's, I'm going to give it like a 3 out of 10. And um, the the thing that I think could have made a big difference to this movie, I get that horror sci-fi is a thing. Okay, that's fine. Um, if they just taken you know, like 20 minutes of the blood and guts chasing through the corridor scenes and put that into the front end, talking about the facility that was there and the horror that went down before the re- search and rescue team was sent out. Uh, because, yeah, that whole send-off was so short and rushed and completely out of context that again i just never got invested in anybody i would i'd have been happy if they'd all died on the station and that would have been the end of the show (laughs) yeah so i I think basically what we're saying is if you're a hardcore sci-fi fan stay away if you like horror (laughs) yeah if you like horror this you know depending on what your standards are it wasn't like a horror, uh, not the best horror movie I've seen either, but it was okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's, yeah, it's an hour and 50 minutes of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you guys see this on Netflix? Was it on Netflix in the States? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was on Netflix here as well. So uh, my recommendation would be that if you're looking for something to watch on Netflix, watch Bright. <laughs> that's got terrible reviews, but I really enjoyed it. It's not sci-fi; it's kind of like a more of a fantasy thing. But uh, yes, that was that was my big surprise over the Christmas holidays was how much uh, I really liked that thing. Yep, I've heard good things about that too. It's on my list. <sighs> that's all I got. So, um, so of of the tech that they did have, what uh, Julie? What would you? Well, I am certainly not interested in their slipstreaming, and I definitely don't want those things implanted in the back of my neck that allow you to do that, So, and I don't yeah. want the primordial goo. I want the little wrist phone display things, you know. Those are kind of cool. They they were essentially a hologram that you would... Think of it like a Spider-Man, you know, like web thrower, except when you 
put your hand back like that, a little display, a holographic display would come up that you could interact with. I'll take right. that. I, I was going to say nothing, but now that you've mentioned that, okay, yes, I'll I'll, I'll piggyback yours, and I would pick that as well. What about you, Mike? Well, I was looking at some of their weapons. I don't know if they're practical or not, but they look kind of interesting. I wouldn't mind having one just to play around with because they, they had some interesting designs. They kind of looked like slabs and different things, and they had, yeah. like, blasters. So, so some of the weapons might be fun to play with, but beyond that, eh. But they did all look like they were, uh, like, like they had bullets, right? I well, didn't they have one that kind of looked like a? It, looked, it was kind of bulbless, yeah. yeah, ray gun yeah. type thing, sort of. Okay, sure. Yeah, like they never really spent a lot of time talking about them or anything, but uh, there were certainly times where you could see bullet casings. But uh, yeah, I don't. You could. I, I don't know if they all were like that or not. Yeah. Well. Do you guys have any uh, any last comment? Other than watching The Martian after this was the perfect way to, you know, end the day. Uh, well, and... we'll do our best on the uh, on the next one. So, <laughs> so that wraps up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at scifitechtalk.com or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at scifitechtalk.com and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Julie, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. Cool. And, Mike, where can people find you? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. And if you want to hear more from me, you can go check me out on Geekiest Show Ever at geekiestshowever.com. All right. And I can be found on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's uh, S-Y-E-R. And the next episode, we'll be doing the 2006 movie, The Children of Men with Clive Owen. And the IMDb synopsis is in 2027, in a chaotic world in which women have become somehow infertile, a former activist agrees to help transport a miraculously pregnant woman to a sanctuary at sea. So that's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future.